Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. back to another special edition of the Michael Deacon program. First time listeners out there, thank you so much for finding us. We do hope you stick around. Do keep in mind, no matter what it is you do choose to believe, we admire you for your curiosity. Joining us this evening, live and direct, is the return of Dr. Paul Cottrell, and I believe he is patiently waiting. Let's bring him in right now. Doctor, what's going on? Hi, how you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm glad you are here. And uh, my goodness, Doctor, we have lots to uh, discuss here tonight. Yes, we do. <laughs> Could you hear the phone ringing back there? No, I can't hear the phone. I heard a phone. I believe it might have been mine. But regardless, I'm glad you're here. And again, the first time you were here was, I think it might have been six months ago, uh, Paul. Yeah, no, I mean, your your channel was one of the the first, I would probably say the, the first four or five that I was on talking about the whole crisis. Yeah, we've the been at COVID-19 it. COVID-19 crisis. Back then, it was, I don't even think they had a name COVID-19 yet. I think we just called it the Wuhan crisis. We were just calling it the Wuhan flu. Yeah. 
pretty wild. And time has flown by. Yes, it has. I can't believe it. And, and doctor, you've been really busy with your own YouTube channel, of course, and the war room that you like to do that little segment there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to document on my channel the best I can by interviewing people and then, you know, critiquing certain news announcements and um, showing that there's a progression through this. It's not just the the epidemiological progression and the disease, but there's also the and we talked about it on your show, the, the, the erosion of the civil liberties and this geopolitical aspect to this with the CCP and, and, you know, the United States, uh, there's just so many different facets to this. You know, it's not just a virus and it's not just um, the erosion of our economy, but there is a big geopolitical play happening. If you just listen to the news lately, the last news cycle, Dr. Um, uh, Yan, Li Ming Yan, she's being basically propped up on on uh, Bannon's show, Stephen Bannon's show. She was on there for about a month. And then she goes on Tucker Carlson and she starts talking about the CCP virus and how it was, you know, made in the lab. But what's interesting is that she doesn't bring anything, uh, you know, to the table about how it was first developed in the United States with the Batwoman and the uh, University of North Carolina in conjunction with Fort Detrick under funding from Fauci during the Obama administration. <laughs> you know, so there's a, you can almost see on how the, um, the news cycle is spinning it as it's only a China virus. It's only the CCP virus. Even Epoch News, you know, stated that. Makes you wonder, you know, that, you know, we're, we're some of their allegiance. You know, is it the allegiance to truth and what really happened? Um, or is it more, more spinning the story? Very similar to what happened right after 9-11. You know, 9-11, they spent the story that it was all the Middle East. Oh, no, there was a standout by, you know, by Cheney. They allowed the planes to hit the, the, the towers that eventually led to the excursion into the Middle East and the erosion of our civil liberties through the Patriot Act. Right. I see a very similar play going on. It's, it's, it's orchestrated. It, it's almost like they have a playbook. They go by crisis. If you're going to do a crisis, these are the rule. This is, this is the playbook that you use. You know, the 9-11 crisis was the same playbook. The Wuhan crisis is the same playbook, you know. So, but in the current news cycle, Dr. Yan, um, basically was, um, you know, she did her practice run on, on Bannon's show and Stephen Bannon's show. Um, and, um, which is also called the war room pandemic. Right. But, um, and, uh, now she was on Tucker Carlson this week, you know, and she's, she released a paper saying that she can prove that it was made in the lab. Well, this is what we've been seeing on your show for six months, you know, yeah, <laughs> way, you know, way early on. And I'm like, glad you let me, let me just stop you there really quickly and just say yeah. it was six months ago again, when you first appeared on the program, my life, changed completely i i don't know about you paul but maybe two weeks before the pandemic hit i actually had quit my job oh wow right yeah because no, I, I, so. I i felt i felt something was was coming to be honest with you yeah i really did yeah. and if i would have stayed there i'm pretty sure i would have maybe gotten sick i'm not i'm not sure but it's really something to look back back at in this short window of time i i recall when i first told you that these vaccinations will definitely be mandated um, and this this vaccination will come with a certain ID tag 
and that would be used for employment and travel purposes. People, mm-hmm. people were laughing at me and thought I was fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. well, they don't think that anymore. Right. Well, that's you know, for sure. You you were warning people what your gut feeling was. You were using logic and 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 probability, just visceral, right? And then, yeah, that visceral feeling. That it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, once they start forcing a vaccine program and start doing decaching, and they you know use all this this uh, surveillance technology from you know with G you know G uh, you know with five G. I call it E seven because it's just the we don't want the, the censorship on the channel. But you know, E seven technology. Um, you know, they, they they we're moving into that whole Brave New World tagging. It's a combination of Brave New World in 1984. Um, but definitely, they're they're going to do a forced vaccine program, and they're gonna they're gonna tag you and say you can't work unless you right. you know follow this. And once they do T caching. You are you are locked in because you can't hide your money. You can't get your money out of the banking system. You really can't. Yeah. And, yeah. When, and go ahead. You can you can almost see it happening. People that are getting out of shelter in place and going back to work. You know the HR departments are saying, oh, you got to be doing this. You got to be wearing the mask. You got to be doing self check. You got to be you know typing into this app and you know say you know answer these questions. Did you have a fever? Are you coughing? You know, do you feel dizzy? Blah blah blah. You know, so now you got the corporate lawyers involved and the insurance companies. And my my worry is, is that we're because of the, lit- the litigious society we live in, that, that it's going to force people to take vaccines. Right. Just so they can go back to work. That's crazy. But that's mm-hmm. the reality. Mm-hmm. That's the reality that we are facing, no doubt. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, when I say that, I don't, I don't mean that in a braggadocious uh, demeanor that we were talking about these things six months ago. Um, Paul, I remember telling you my theory was that this the virus was being worked on here in America and in Canada and, of course, in China, and this thing traveled around. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's definitely... there is. It seems like that's we, true. <laughs> that oh, happened. There's no, there's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, we, there is a paper trail on which labs did what part right. of, of the research. So you know, my, like, my point example, is, why, why, why don't, why, why doesn't the mainstream media tell us, tell us these things though? That's my whole because argument. Because they're captured. They're, you know, I did a show on this, there's a few shows on it on my channel. They're captured. You know, they're owned by, they're owned by globalists. All right. And they have to, they have to push a certain agenda. Okay. Do you ever see on Fox or on CNN talking about Monsanto's? Never. And the glyphosate? Not at all. Issues? Yeah, exactly. Why? Because they need the ad revenue. Yeah, they need that did, money. You know, did they did, did they you know talk about Boeing and the you know the crappy design of their you know new plane? No, because they need Boeing Boeing to advertise on their show. So they're never going to talk negative about a company or about the establishment because they're either get their licensing from the establishment or they're getting their their ad revenue you know from the companies that they really should be covering. So we have a the fourth. You know, the fourth branch of government, which is, which, you know, in a strange way is the press, but, you know, it, that, you know, the fourth branch of government is not, it, 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 it's captured from the globalists, you know, so we don't have a free press. So that's why, and, and that's why our channels are so important because we're not beholden to this, this capturing mechanism that the mainstream is in. 
So we can say th- things until they censor us or pull right. our channels down. I mean, that's that's what happened to Stephen Molyneux and Mike Adams. But you know, but we're at a point where the real news is our interpretation of events. The best that we can do, and and having these kinds of long long conversations and repeated conversations to try to articulate what is really going on in the world, because you're not going to hear it from the mainstream media. So we are the fourth branch of government. You know, the Michael Deacon show, you're the fourth branch of government. You don't even realize. That's pretty wild. Yeah. You know, but it's true. Yeah. We are the, we are the free press. It's not CNN or, or Fox news. Yeah. We're not corporate owned. Right. No one's telling us what to say or what to do. And that's for sure. Right. You know, I mean, we, we did, there is ample evidence that this, that this was, you know, a, 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 bioengineered virus that was used for scientific person uh, purposes at the very beginning. It bifurcated into a weapons program. There are many lines, not just one, many lines, hundreds of lines of this. Some of them have high, you know, virulence. Some of it is not so virulent. Some of them have different affinities to different receptors. But the one that we have floating around has a very high affinity to the ACE2 receptor. And there is a paper trail that goes all the way back to research done in a lab in 2007 where they made a chimera virus where they took the bat SARS-like and the SARS virus, put them together in a plasmid, infected 293 cells, cell line, and um, infected those cells with a pseudo-HIV virus. Yeah, and that's what the, and that, that's what the that mainstream doesn't mention. That's, that's what worries me the most. Mm-hmm. Well, tell them the through truth. that through that rec- through that recombination in those cell lines, it led them to be able to cell select for a high affinity ACE2 receptor recombination, and then from there they were backward dated to find out what the sequence was that was recombined naturally in the cell line in the lab to be able to further develop the weapons program, and that that so you know Dr. Shi, who's the Batwoman, she in two thousand five. Um, started collecting samples from bats in China to understand why they were the host for SARS. Scientific reason, right? To, you know, to understand the biology of it, to, to, to be able to understand the SARS virus. Okay, I get that. In 2008, she writes her her Chimia paper that I'm just that I just referenced. Then she goes dark, and then all of a sudden she's working with University of North Carolina in Fort Detrick with Dr. Um, Barrick and they are developing a weapons program with DOD and um, um, Department of Homeland Security. Obama shuts down the program because there was too much. It, they, it was too too much gain of function. So at least on the surface, the program was shut down, and then it was outsourced parts of it to Canada and parts of it to to Wuhan facility. So um, there's a paper trail on this. And not only uh, the paper trail is in the scientific literature, but the, the, the affidavit right from uh, Mikevitz and the, uh, the actual NIH um, database shows the funding of o- over $7 million that went to Wuhan facility for gain of function of the coronavirus. Right. And there was a research paper I was looking for, a PDF that talked about the receptor usage between um, these sort of things that were the, uh, I'm forgetting the name exactly what it was, but this paper 
this PDF um, file is no longer online. They knocked they knocked it off. They knocked it off completely. Oh, this is the Indian. You're talking about the Indian yeah, knowledge. that paper. paper. I have it. You have it. I well, it's it on not on. Website. It's not online anymore. I was looking for no, it. No, 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 no. Yeah, that, that that that's the thing is is that when we started noticing that they were censoring the um the 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 um databases that were free to the public, then they they we had a bunch of researchers taking those PDFs and and starting to mirror them. On the internet. Yeah, so that, mirrors, that was so odd because I, I was just looking. I was just looking for it right now, just to bring it up to you that this um, this research does goes go. It definitely goes back to 2007, and I'm getting uh, tongue tied because holy shit, they took it down. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the reason why it's so important to to to, to download the PDFs, put them in your Google Drives and on your locals, and, and you know, and share them. You know, because if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for the Indian paper that was released this year about the HIV homology, yeah, I wouldn't have known to look for the sequence that showed the three inserts for the glycoprotein 120 and the insert for GAG that allows for the fear and cleavage that that is the gain of function for human ACE2 receptor. If it wasn't for though for that insertion, we wouldn't have that species jump. Now, what's interesting is there's a lot more since we've talked. Other researchers have reached out to me and said, "Hey, Paul, take a look at the genome. I've you know found some other HIV homology. There, there is a huge chunk of glycoprotein 41 in this virus. Huge chunk. All right, it's like 28 amino acids. Um, I believe it's chain A of the glycoprotein 41." There's chain A, B, and C. Oh, Paul, that's but, just Mother Nature. Don't worry. No, 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 no. <laughs> you could have Mother Nature combined. <laughs> yes. That's the thing. There's no way that Mother Nature would have combined. Exactly. A, a, you know, the, the bat SARS-like virus, the SARS virus, the HIV homology, huge chunks of the HIV homology for glycoprotein 41 and glycoprotein 120 and GAG, and it be right across the, you know, the river at, at a wet lab, you know, at a wet market that it, it just so happened to, to spread it in the Wuhan province. Yeah, right. Yeah, it makes that's no total, sense. That's total BS. And it so, it so happens that it just, that, uh, that, that she, Dr. She works at the Wuhan facility and is tied to the weapons program at Fort Detrick. You know, you know, there's too many coincidences right. here that all these ands could have happened. You, you just do the probability and it's like 0.0001% or something like that or less. There's right. no way that this was, was naturally selected in nature. Now, what happened was is that they used molecular biology. They used, you know, molecular techniques in the lab for recombination. Some of it is restrictive enzyme recombination. Some of it was was CRISPR because you got to remember there's different phases of development here and they did cell selection. So they they let they let cells do some of the the random recombination. But if you infect tens of thousands of cells in a Petri dish, eventually you're going to get what you're looking for. And then you do further development on that line. And that's what happened. So once they did in vitro, then they did in vivo. So once they were able to cell select what they were looking for, for high affinity ACE2 receptor or whatever receptor line that they were looking for at that time, we're referencing the, the 2008 paper, which is, you know, the, the ACE2 jump, ACE2 receptor, human ACE2 receptor jump. But um, from there, they were able to then do in vivo studies 
and infect primates. Right. And, and further the, develop. Mm-hmm. And, and the further enhance. Exactly. Yeah. And the time we've seen it, they've already done all kinds of stuff by then. They made all mm-hmm. sorts of progress. Exactly. And that's why I said there's hundreds of versions of this. Exactly. At different phases that are in, you know, in a freezer. Right. And by the way, before we go forward with any of this, um, I did have a question. Well, not me personally, but a question from the chat. I believe it's Six Sigma Six. He says, does Paul think CV-19 is a mask to cover financial collapse? I don't think it's a mask to cover it. I think it's, 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 a, it's a catalyst to allow for the collapse. Maybe happen. a Trojan horse of sorts. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think it's like, you see, I think this, this crisis is it, it's multidimensional, but one of the dimensions is to create a financial collapse to ex, expedite the decaching. Because if you expedite the decaching, then now everyone's in a digital wallet. The Federal Reserve is controlling the money supply completely digitally. There's no dollars or coins, and they can go negative interest rates, and you can't take your money out of the bank because it's all digital. I mean, yeah, you can you can pretend to think that you're taking your money out of, let's say, J.P. Morgan and putting it into Citibank, but the reality is it's all the same money system. Right. You know, so and we're getting there. I, the smart cities. It's coming to America. Yeah, very soon. Yeah, and what it is is it's totalitarian cities. It's, it's crazy. Really it's crazy, and we're you following know? the lead of China, by the way. Yeah. Exactly. For those who forgot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, you know, and what's even, it's, it's even weirder is just that you start watching this whole BLM slash Antifa movement that's going on across America and they're starting to burn everything down. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, forcing, forcing whites to kneel on the, on the ground and, and, you know, ask for forgiveness for, you know, white privilege and the atrocities. Have you of, seen that out there know. in New York, by the way? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, it, you know, it, 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 it's very reminiscent of what was going on during the Mao Reformation in China in the 50s, mm. where they were trying to they were trying to reprogram society into communism. And um, uh, uh, Paul Joseph Watson uh, has has a channel on YouTube, and he's kind of a funny guy, Rick. And he had a great video about this connection between the history of Mao early on and how that revolution was happening, and what's going on in the United States today. That we're we are seeing an infiltration. I'm waiting for the bread lines, to be honest, like the old days. Well, well, I mean, you know, in some cities they are, they have them. <laughs> it feels like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, it. Yeah, it's. Now, what a wild time, uh, Paul! I would have never city. imagined this in 2020. That's for sure. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, good lord. No, 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 no. We're we're living in strange times. What the hell happened? You know, we're we're everything is speeding up towards a, a big event. Now the question is, is yeah. There, you know, I I've mentioned on my show, and maybe I've mentioned on your show. I'm not sure, but. There's this battle of the beast. I call it the beast. You know, the, this beast is growing, and the beast has these different appendages, all right? You know, arms, legs, the head. So depending on what kind of person an individual is that's on the negative side, they're part of this beast. Now, if, they're, if they are an individual that is orchestrating this negative event, they are the head of the beast. But individuals that are just... Um, placating to the whims of, of, of the events and not really f- going go, fighting it, fighting you know against the event like we are, 
um, they're kind of like the hands and the legs of the beast, allowing it to move because they're not willing to fight the beast. Um, and you know, I just I, I view this as more of a, a metaphysical event that's taking place, but it you see it in you see it in the physical. So this is like a spiritual battle to you, Apollo. yeah. Yeah, I, I see this as a metaphysical battle. It's a spiritual battle between good and evil, and that the e the, the ones that are evil want to, to erode the constitution, the idea of self determination, the idea of we the people. They want they want the servants. The yeah, the old good you versus know, evil. It's yeah. it's very true. You know, so I, yeah, I I do I do see this as a a religious battle. You know, what was interesting is I found it very very interesting how Ruth Ginsburg dies on Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, she died. That's for sure. Yeah, I think she died yesterday. Like you and made a the video first night of Rosh Hashanah this year was was yesterday. Yeah, you made a video of that, and some people got mad at you. They thought you were like <laughs> celebrating her death. Well, you know the thing is, is that no, it wasn't celebrating. Her death, I didn't think but, that, but some people did. No, you know here, you know here. The thing is, is that if they're an ultra liberal, they're going to think that if you say anything negative about Ruth Ginsburg, oh, of course, yeah. that that that, that you're, right. you're celebrating her death. Mm-hmm. Now, the, here's the reality of it: she was. First of all, she wasn't the first um, female justice. O'Connor was, all right? So, so, um, but O'Connor didn't get as much credit. To my understanding, O'Connor was the first justice, but she didn't get as much credit because she was a Republican. See, Ruth Ginsburg was the first Democrat that, that was, that female that was elected to, to, to the, to the, um, the court, the Supreme Court. But what's important with Ginsburg was that she, during her career, really pushed for women's rights. And I remember, you know, my mother, you know, working in the 70s and in the early 80s uh, before, you know, she just raised the children, um, you know, and she just, you know, became a stay-at-home mom. But, you know, she was a career-type woman in the 70s. And it was difficult for women to build a career in the 70s. It was Ruth Kingsburg and people like her that, raise the awareness of civil liberties for women, especially in the workplace, right? And she did an amazing job that was important. But the point that I was making was is that the progressive movement these days went too far. And now they're clapping in court home, courthouses about late-term abortions, and they all hide it under the, you know, under the idea of women's rights. See, where was Ruth Ginsburg? Ruth Ginsburg was, you know, had a light sh- shined on her when she was saying, oh, uh, women's rights. But she didn't say anything about the unborn. Where do you delineate where you need to start saying the Constitution applies to the unborn? Is it the first trimester? Is it the second? It's the third? It sure isn't right after birth. You know, it's sure not right after birth. Yeah. Right. There's a certain point that it's in utero. And but Paula she didn't say it. She didn't make any statement on that. And here, that's, that's mm-hmm. where the, the, the progressive movement has gone so wrong because they do not want, they, they, they want to celebrate death and destruction. They don't want to celebrate life. You know, the, the facts are this. So you're pro-life, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm pro-life. Pro-life. So you don't yeah. agree with any sort of abortion at all. Well, anti-abortion. Let, well, let, let me let let me explain my position. Yeah, go ahead. All right, this is interesting so, now. So, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, so let me explain my position. When I was younger, in my twenties, you know, I'm 48 now. But when I was when when I was younger, in my twenties, I didn't really care about the the 
the debate. Well, you wouldn't think about it. Yeah. You know, I, it's a woman's issue, whatever, whatever they want. All right. So I just, I didn't even pay attention to it. Right. All right. So, but as I started pursuing medicine and started learning about the development of a child, you know, the, you know, the the fetus, the brain development, different stages and all this. Right. And then I started watching the, the, um, the legislatures in, in the different states, especially in New York, where they were cheering after they passed legislation for after birth abortions, mm. after birth abortions. Mm. That means the, the child has been born yeah. and then they anesthetize the child. That's a little much. Yeah. That's, and they, and they clapped. You would think, well, you know, you know, they, they it would have been a solemn. Kind yeah, maybe of thing. that's no, not appropriate they, to clap for that one. Yes. So they were promoting yes. death. That's speech. not good. That's that's when I said, you know, that's when I woke up and I said, you know what, that we have to we have to set a point somewhere in utero where the constitutional rights have to be protected for the unborn. Now, now with that said, there it, it, it gets muddy. It's I'm not all you know. It it it's not so simple as just pro life. Or pro-abortion. It's not a black and white issue. I, right, I agree. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, because there are cases where it's rare, but there are cases where if the child is born, it, the, the the mother could die. So what do you do? Do you so some you know if you're in that case, you may terminate the pregnancy to be able to save the mother's life. So that is an abortion procedure. So I'm for that because it's trying to save the mother's life. I agree. It's, a, it's an emergency situation. Now, sure. In the case of during development, um, you don't know fully some of the um, deformities until the second trimester. Well, at that point, there needs to be a discussion by the physician and you know with the parents. Do you want to continue the pregnancy because we are seeing in the ultrasound or through the you know other testing? that this child may have these types of deformities. Do you want to bring that child into the world and, right. and deal with those, those things? Let the parents make the decision, all right? That's a deformity issue, okay? So I am for them to make that decision, but I am against. Late-term abortion. Late-term, a late-term, abor- late-term abortion where they knew long, you know, way in advance, you know, the condition of the child, and they decided, you know what, I just don't want the child anymore. And, and then they did this, they end the life of the child. And, you know, it, it, this, this, um, you know, comes close to my heart because as I progress through my medical training, I have to learn how to do this procedure. So you're going to you know, learn how to do that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh my. So, yeah. So, so, you know, so, I mean, that's what I'm, you know, why I'm so, so. Well, you're passionate. I, yeah, because I have to go through, I want to be a surgeon. So I have to go through different surgical procedures. Well, by the way, Paul, let me just stop you there and backtrack uh, for a moment. For those that are new and just listening to you now, doctor, um, one of the reasons why you even got into this and started to consider your health and all these other things in life is because of your brother, correct? Yes. And your my family. Died. Right. Yeah, my, go ahead and tell brother, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, my, my brother died from heart disease at age 36 while I was working on my PhD in finance. So my, you know, you know I'm a doctor in finance. And uh, after I finished my, you know, my uh, doctoral studies in finance and did a little bit of uh, postdoctoral work, I decided to pursue medicine. So I'm, you know, in that process. 
But um, there's a long history on my mother's side of heart disease. And I had uncles that passed away in, in between 35 and, th- and 46. My mother had her first heart attack at age uh, 40. Um, so it's a definite problem. Uh, you know, I'm Jewish. So there's there's this long lineage of um of Levites Oy vey. on my mother's side, yeah, exactly. Yes, sir. You know, and on the on the you know on the, on the uh, you know on my mother's side mm-hmm. that um, you know because of genetic drift because you know for a long time only Levites would marry Levites or only Cohens would marry Cohens. So there was a genetic drift ah. over the centuries, and it just so happens that you know on my mother's side that we have this heart this heart problem. Yeah. I don't have it, um, luckily. Knock on wood. But uh, yeah. You know, but it's it, it really kicks it, it. The disease really kicks off if you have a very high carbohydrate um, diet. Um, and then all of a sudden the, the weight gain starts uh, and the blood pressure is uncontrollable. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you start getting blockage and a lot of inflammation. And if you don't have the stents, the PCI um, then what will happen is, is that you'll have a minor heart attack and then about one month to three months later, then you, you have another major heart attack that caused death, that causes death. Um, but I, you know, I, I viewed it as I'm healthy. You know, I was always into the whole antioxidant, you know, exercise kind of thing early on in life. So and, that, that you know, was I'm the, lucky. That was the catalyst for you. In other words, mm-hmm. the death yeah, of I mean, your, I saw, yeah. yeah, I saw my uncle's and, you know, dying when I was young. I mean, when I was, you know, uh, my first uncle died when I was um, just before I had my bar mitzvah. So just before age 13. So, you know, from age 13 or age 12 and a half onward, I saw relatives dying at young ages and even cousins that, you know, had these heart attacks, but then were, luck, you know, luckily rushed to the emergency room and, and you know, had the stints at age 40. My my other cousin had a triple bypass at age fifty. Damn. Yeah. So I mean, so you know, it's it's, it's serious definitely stuff. A, yeah, it's 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 definitely a serious problem. Um, right. But I I view it as I was lucky, and I have the energy to you know, and and the desire to you know to pursue medicine uh, to try to help people that have similar conditions. Yeah, that's admirable of you, Paul. Well, I appreciate that. Um, You've been going a, hard every a, day, Paul, trying to uh, smarten people up. Yeah, you know, I just, I just, I hope it inspires younger individuals to go into medicine to try to help people for whatever reason, either you know because of a loved one dying from cancer or going through COPD or heart disease or whatever, or even you know dementia or you know I'll tell you, um, you know, it's uh, it's not an easy process to go through medicine, but. Um, you know, it'd be, you know, I guess us talking about this, it informs the public to try to be healthier, but also to inspire into other individuals to um, maybe pursue, you know, medicine to try to help people, That'd you know, either, good. either, you know, being a, a nurse or a physician assistant or um, a physical therapist or an MD or, you know, whatever capacity. Yeah, we need more people like you out there uh, trying to uh, smarten people up about their health. And of course, I feel... Horrible for the younger generations out there having lost so much in such a short time. Those who are looking forward to all sorts of things like their graduation or parties or whatever whatever mm-hmm. um, they had planned out for uh, their graduations, high school students and college students alike, uh, even kids in like uh, kindergarten 
I feel terrible for all of the younger generations out there, Paul, having to deal with something like this. It reminds me that um, everything can change in such a short period of time. Life can change in an instant, Paul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I honestly, if my brother didn't pass away while I was you know, working on my Ph.D., I wouldn't have gone into medicine. Exactly. I mean, it was it was a it was that inflection point that completely moved me in a totally different trajectory. And you know, what's interesting is that my theoretical framework for my PhD to modeling financial markets was using chaos theory. So in chaos theory, you know, there's a, you have a complex system; it's moving in a certain direction, and then all of a sudden something perturbates the system, and the whole system moves in a totally different direction. So how do you apply that to what's going on with COVID-19? You know, the society was moving in a certain direction right before Wuhan crisis, or, or we were we thought our society was moving in a certain direction, and then all of a sudden the crisis happens, and now half of our economy is shut down. Yeah. People are laid off. You know, people. You know, there. Are, you know, there's a big percentage of the population that's two or three months behind on their mortgage or rent payments. Um, you know, there's, it, things are getting better, but they're still bad. But, um, you know, no one would have thought a year and a half ago that, that we would be in this situation. We had the best economy that the United States ever saw historically ever. Yeah. Things were going now, pretty good. Now, now, now we're seeing, we're seeing, you know, at least statistically the worst economic disaster that the United States has ever, ever seen. Um, I think at least anecdotally, Probably the Great Depression was worse. Yeah, this is why I was but, telling but you. I'm waiting for the, the bread lines, Paul, out there. Yeah. You know, there there is a disconnect between what we feel with this crisis financially and what the individuals felt during the Great Depression. But statistically, number of people out of work and the amount of debt that was created relative to, um, you know, per capita GDP is much, much worse now than it was then. So, you know, it depends on how you want to parse the data, but there, there is, and I, maybe sociologists can explain the reason. I don't know the reason why there is this disconnect between the, 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 the visceral feeling of the Great Depression and, quote, the visceral feeling of today. I don't know. Maybe it's be, due to technology. Maybe, maybe yeah. It's it's I don't know yeah, it is. I'm glad you brought that up because I did have a friend ask me, Paul, just recently, and this is a guy I've known my whole life. And I even played in a band with this guy at one time. I consider him my best friend. And never in my life do I recall this guy ever asking me if I ever felt depressed in my life, Paul. Wow. He's the last guy in the world I, I would ever expect to read a text message that says, Michael, um, how are you? Do, do you feel depressed right now? I, I said, no, not at all. Um, his name's Eric. I said, not at all, Eric. I wouldn't even uh, describe how I feel as being depressed. More like just shocked and just stunned with the entire, with the rest of the world, just at a standstill right now over what's yeah. going on. But no, certainly not depressed, but I feel like people that like my friend, Eric, he, you know, he, he's someone who goes out to bars, you know, he's very, mm-hmm. very social, you know, he's out there out and about, you know, this is a guy with tattoos on his face, you know, so he's, he's out oh, there. So what he's kind of band. Where you in? <laughs> I was in a punk rock band, a punk ska cool. band many years. Yeah. Many a lifetime ago. Um, but so, you know, I love my friend and I feel bad for him because, you know, he's feeling like shit. He, he's, he's taking it bad. And I'm just wondering about the rest of the, um, the world, uh, America, for, for example, how are they feeling? The psychological effects of this lockdown, I'm sure is affecting everyone, um, at a different rate, I would imagine, Paul. 
Yeah. I, you know, the thing is, the sociological and the psychological effects of this crisis are going to be long lasting. And there's going to be many research papers and many uh, dissertations that could, you know, drill down deep into what's going on. Different people are affected by the crisis differently. For me, I would use the term frustrated. I'm frustrated. Yeah. I feel that I have an urge to, to try to stop it. That's a good and way that, to describe it. Frustrated. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I so my reaction is a sense of urgency and reactivity. While others may feel depressed and they are more insular. Um, others, you know, might go, oh, I don't care. At least I don't have to go to work and I'm just playing on the, you know, the PlayStation. You know, just you know, so different people are going to view it differently. Yeah. But it, depression in this scenario needs to be talked about and friends need to kind of like see the signs. And if someone is showing signs of depression, the friends, the family members need to reach out and, and communicate with that individual because you don't know, you know, they can go down a very dark path and that dark path may lead to death. Yeah. Maybe you need to hang out with the guy. Yeah. Yeah. And you go visit yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, and you know, sometimes it's not possible because of distance, you know, in different states or whatever. But, uh, you know, if it was an old friend that reached out to you, but they're in a different state, you know, just and they, they're starting to, you know, talk about, you know, some depressive things. Yeah, he's or, about an hour episodes, away. You got to You got to like get on Zoom or yeah. Skype and just talk to him. I got to talk to the guy. Yeah. Because that was weird. It, it, what it is, is it's like it's, it's it's kind of almost a call for help. It's a it's a it's a sense of like saying, hey, um, I need someone to talk to. Damn. That's that's what what that is. Is what that's probably what that was. Holy yeah. shit! You're probably right. Mm. And because you guys were in a band, and you know you were close, and you know it's like that was, you know that that, that was the person that he felt at that time that he, you know, that he needed to reach out to. You know, you need you need to people. If anyone takes anything out of this episode today, if you see someone or hear someone that is that seems to be. Getting in a, in a depressed episode because of this crisis, help them, talk to them. You know, it's it, it will get better. It gets better when we all work together and not fight each other. But you got to realize the signs. You know, that we are we 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 don't see people's faces anymore. They're covered up. You know, we're we're you know stuck at home. We're not socializing at work. You know, and all this stuff. Yeah, we're all dressed like ninjas. Just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're all dressed up like ninjas, and you know, we're, people aren't going out to eat anymore, and socializing, or going to the bar, or whatever. So yeah, there is this, there is people can get depressed if, yeah. if they're used to being around people, and and some people don't need that. Some people prefer to be alone. Then these types of people probably would flourish in this kind of environment. But there's others that you know they they like to be around five or six people, or ten people, or twelve people, you know, on a regular basis, and in an environment that we're in right now. That hurts their type of personality, and yeah. they it, it slowly erodes, and they get depressed. And I'll tell you, when someone reaches out, you used to be close to an old friend or whatever, use that as a signal. It's like, wait a minute, they need some help. Reach out to them and help them. You're gonna have to text them after this show now. Yeah, I mean, you know, Poor because guy. you don't know where you know. He, you know, usually when you when someone's talking on the surface, it may seem somewhat benign, but then after an hour discussion. 
you might hear something that he reveals. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's more serious. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because I definitely will uh, send him a text message after the show and see what's going on with the guy. You know, press mm-hmm. him a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, people, humans need the human connection. That's why I was like, I'm so against the whole transhumanist movement because it's so anti-human. It's transhuman. You're, 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 you know, you're, you, you as a singularity types, you know, articulate it. You're, you're evolving from human, you know, the human experience. Yeah, what makes you human? Merging, you know, and you're merging into technology. You're being transhuman and then eventually yeah. posthuman. And machines don't know? have emotions. Right, right, yeah. right. You know, and they, they go, well, don't you want that because you'll be able to live longer and have, you know, bionic strength and all this stuff. But there is something to be said about the human experience. Right. You know, there's, yeah. you know, and did you ever see Lawnmower Man? Oh, my God. It, it, ironically enough, I had uh, posted an image of the poster of that movie on my Patreon a couple of uh, Oh, really? We, yes. I did see it recently and I thought, my God. This movie yeah. is still awesome after all this time. Right, 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 right. So, you know, basically, for the ones that haven't seen it, there's this kind of like basically an idiot that's that's being... Um, idiot savant. Through, well, I, I no, not, he, he wasn't an idiot savant yet. He was just an idiot. <laughs> he was just an idiot, okay. He was just an idiot. <laughs> and, and there's this doctor that is using virtual reality and you know and some drugs to stimulate his his um his brain his cortex and that he's learning quicker so he becomes he, he, you know he basically you know is getting smarter yeah. and he's getting smarter quicker and quicker and quicker to the point where he's smarter than the doctor and then he he actually goes and becomes transhuman he merges with the machine sounds like that's what Elon Musk wants to do yeah, yeah. So, and then eventually, you know, eventually he becomes, the, the weird thing is, is that as he gets smarter and is becoming more aware that he can control the environment, he becomes godlike and he gets a god complex. Right. So a lot of these singularity types, they have god complexes, you know, uh, even when you, when you think about the admin rights, you know, uh, you know, for, you know, with the individuals that are controlling databases or, or networks, you know, that, you know, they, you know, you have this like, you know, super user, you know, access or whatever. There's like this Uber, the Uber mention, the, you know, the Superman, you know, these are all concepts of transhumanist, post-humanist ideas um, where the, 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 the human, the, the humanism from their perspective is, is lowly. That it's a it's a lower version of of evolution, yeah. and that you need to tr- you need to elevate to transhumanism and you know become godly. So I'm against that. You're against that. I'm against this. Yeah, I'm I'm mm-hmm. totally against the singularity. And, so Paul, and let me I'm, a, I'm, Paul, let me ask I'm you this really. Human humanist. Let me ask you this really quickly, Paul. If I approached you, this is a hypothetical question. If I approached you, Paul, and I said, "Hey, Paul, I have this pill here, and if you take this pill, Paul." It will extend your life to 120 years plus, perhaps. You wouldn't be willing to take this pill. Well, it depends on what's in it. Well, let's I mean, just say it was it, completely safe. I mean, safe. let's say what's the, mech- what's the mode of action? Well, let's just say it was, com- well, it's just something that's just going to 
increase the years of your life. It's it's going to make you okay. feel like you are a okay. let's say a teenager again for another hundred and twenty years. Let's say back to back to your eighteen year old self, Paul, for an, another a hundred and twenty years. Now this is a good question because you know you know from age sixteen because of of the experience that I saw with the early deaths of my uncles. Yeah, I've been I've been very pro antioxidant oriented. So, you know, I've been exercising and taking lots of antioxidants. Good. So, so, you know, and as technology has improved, like with C60, you know, and fullerenes and, and how they are much stronger antioxidants than let's say, uh, vitamin C or vitamin E, um, you know, the compound effect of antioxidants leads to a better healthy body that leads to longevity. So I am in a way already doing what you're just saying, but I'm doing it in a, in a very, um, um, slow, methodical, uh, compounded way. And one of the lessons learned from lawnmower man is you can't speed up things because if you speed up things too fast, you don't get to enjoy. I, I'm trying to use, uh, uh, for my memory, one of the lines in the movie, you know, there is such a thing as enjoying the book learning to, you know, as you're reading the book and, and, and enjoying the book. The process, yeah. Instead of, in the process of reading the book instead of just, you know, speed reading it through, you know, and, and not really enjoying that, that, that book. Or another way for um, the younger listeners out there, using cheat codes in a video game, right? Right, 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 <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. You know, so, you know, um, you know, so there is something to be said about the process of being human. So in a way, I'm, I'm already taking externally things that will make longevity a higher probability for me. But if someone said, here's a pill and it is going to do, it's going to rewire your brain with microchips and you will be able to memorize things 10,000 times faster than you do now. And you'll be part of the board. An anti-aging agent, basically. Yes. You know, then, then no. You'd you be know, against so it, yeah. You, okay. Yeah, I would be against it. See, you know, so, you know, whatever you're taking, do you have autonomy after? No, then it's not worth it. Um, you know, are you getting, are you becoming part of, are you, are you, are you human? Or are you becoming less human? You know, if you're taking anti, if you're taking antioxidants and you're trying to get rid of senesce cells or, or increase the apoptotic, or, you know, cells that should go through apoptosis, then that's more human. But if you're rewiring and putting in a lot of artificial things into your body for longevity and you become more biotic, you know, bionic. Subhuman. Um, yeah. Then, then, you know, they, they, then no, I wouldn't want that. I mean, at at what point, I mean, think about it. At what point? And I think the the philosophers talk about this. And we're coming, we're coming to this point too. And, and, In future technology, we're kind of reaching that point right now, as we mentioned earlier, Elon Musk, who I'm sure wants to do something like that. Mm -hmm. Well, think about it. Do a mind experiment, literally a mind experiment. You know, at what point, how much do your brain has to be artificial before you're not human? Right. You know, let's say you had a a brain injury in the frontal cortex and that we had a technology where they could put a chip that does all the activity that that damaged ischemic tissue you know, pat. Okay. Now, now keep on adding more and more of, of ischemic tissue of the brain and adding more and more chips. At what point would you say that that brain is no longer human? 
you know, is it 10%? Is it 50%? Is it 75%? There's some point where if your cortical tissue is no longer human, but artificial, then your brain isn't human. You follow me? I'm following what you. That, but, you know, so what point is that? Right. Yeah. You know, and I'm, then you can, ex- it, it, you can, you can say the same thing about the rest of the body. I'm just saying this you is. you lose your arm and you, you know, you have a bionic arm. Well, what happens if you lose all of your limbs? Now you have all bionic limbs. Well, right. what happens if you no longer have a working uh, digestive system and all of it's, you know, artificial or bionic? You know, at what point would you say that person is a robot versus a human? And we're coming to that point, too. I mean, we're only a few years away, I, I imagine, Paul, where these sort of conversations are most likely have already taken place. A man always wants to play God. Yeah, you know, here's the thing is, is that there's there's three levels of of of, I guess, understanding or wisdom You know, is the, the knowledge, learning about how to do something, the understanding when you're implementing that and then the wisdom after it's been implemented. You know, mankind is in that realm of, you know, we've kind of surpassed the understanding part and we're we're, we're or surpassed the knowledge part. and We're in the understanding part, but we're not wise. We don't have that wisdom to say, yes, we could do this, but it doesn't mean that we should do it. Like, for example, going back to COVID-19, we had the ability and still have the ability to create super viruses in the lab. But that doesn't mean we should be. Right. And that's where we didn't have the wisdom to say no. We didn't have the bioethics to say no, that if it, it the, the, the negative externality is so bad that if the black swan does happen, it would hurt the economy and people's lives in such a negative fashion that there's, it, it's not worth the risk. And we didn't use the, that's why I'm, I, I've been so adamant about holding the people accountable. Yeah, you've been talking a lot about the bio uh, weapons that we have here in America. The, the, about, uh, right. The, you know, we, the, you know it, the, the, it's this bio, the, the bio weapon yes. program in, in the United States and the Biopatriot Act that's, that they're instituting the road, our civil liberties, are they are one or the same. They're together. They're coupled together. Um, and what we're doing is, is that we're, we're playing with fire, and the people that are playing with the fire want the fire to happen, so they institute these social orders for control. And we have to have more people that are educated about what's really going on say no. See, I, you know, I, I, I kept on complaining on my channel about the BLM movement. You know, it's like, okay, yes, there, there are um, atrocities with police brutality. Sure. But it's not as common as what they're saying it is. Not it's at all. Not, no. You know, black on black crime is way, way, thousands it's of way higher. It's way yeah. higher than, than, than police officer on black crime. So, so, um, and not only that, when we were talking about abortions, the abortion numbers are a lot higher in, in black communities too. Statistically, yes. No one talks yes. about that. So, you know, no one yeah. talks about. It. But but the but the 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 reality of the situation is that everyone was taught was was focused on the protesting, you know, with police brutality. No one's protesting about the atrocities of the def, you know the defense department. And the and the biological agents that they've developed, yes, the and how the NIH was funding Wuhan gain of function for their weapons program. 
So, I mean, it's like, don't you think? And, and you know, we have over 180,000 individuals that died from COVID-19 in the United States alone. And don't you think people should be out there protesting that? I agree. Then, then George Floyd. You oh, know, big like, time. Their their priorities are a little skewed yeah, there. It's messed up. It's messed up. And that's it's thanks messed. to the media, of course. Well, it's that plus, you know, there are big guys that are, you know, like George Soros that are funding these organizations. You can't even say his name on Fox News. <laughs> that's what I that's what I saw. You know, I just like, you know, he's he, well, you know, his fund owns so many different companies. You know, that because of the ad revenue, you know, you piss them off. You're not going to get the funding. That should tell you everything, though. That should tell you everything when someone on Fox News, an anchor, brings up George Soros. um, I think it was like Lindsey Graham or someone who mentioned him. And the Fox anchors were just um, not going there. They moved on real quick. Mm -hmm. So that should tell you everything. he's, He's another one of those individuals like Ruth Ginsburg that, you know, that the world would be a better place once they're dead. RGB. Yeah, you know, you know, just like uh, you know, it, and it, and Ruth Ginsburg is not even in the same league as 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 uh, as Soros. Soros is a lot more sinister, and a lot more money too. Yeah. By yeah. the way, before yeah, we, we before we jump right back into uh, biological agents here, I, I did want to quickly mention to you, Paul. Sure, it's been very hectic and negative, uh, a very hectic and negative time during all of this and in our lives, everyone's lives. But there has been some good that came with this whole ordeal, personally speaking, of course. And it, it hasn't been all sunshines and rainbows for most of America. But I've had some moments of clarity uh, during the pandemic. I've really taken this time to consider my life and those around me. I pretty much learned what really does matter in life and, re- and really what doesn't, Paul. Um, I hope you've done the same thing during this time. Um, that's a good point that you're making. Uh the ones that are, let's say, more wise, they're going to take this as an opportunity to reassess their life and trim away, prune, you know, prune back, you know, the stuff they don't need in their life, either the, the physical or the emotional. Um, so you're right. I mean, there's that that's the that's the, the wise perspective, you know, that you're 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 demonstrating for me, um, you know, it's, you know, galvanizing myself to really push for my medical studies and, and, you know, to try to help people the best. You've been going hard, Paul, every day you were out there pushing out content. So, I mean, again, that's very admirable of you. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, you know, maybe I do too much of it. I don't know, but you know, I just, I've been trying, I'm very worried about the erosion of our civil liberties. I know. know, I, I just, I'd look back at like, I don't know if you've been listening to some of my channel I'm talking bringing, about I'm, my... Yes, my, I, I'm um, going to bring that up in a moment here, but yes, go ahead. My uh, grandfather, you know, and, and uncles and my father and brother, I mean, they, they all served in the military. That's right. They all, you know, you know they, they put their life on the line in different situations throughout this country's history to protect what we call the Constitution, you know, and I think it's just... You know, even though I didn't serve in the military, I have a lot of family members that did. That did, yeah. And, uh, and I just, you know, I view it as just an obligation the best that I can in the, you know, in the time that I'm you know, living in. And what can I do for my country? And this is one of those things. It's a public service. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, you know, but trimming, you know, trimming away the unneeded stuff in your life emotionally and physically, 
Yeah. You I mean, this that. is a great opportunity to like sit back. It's almost like the Jubilee. The great Jubilee is happening, even though it was forced upon us. But the great Jubilee of taking stock in your life and thinking back, do I really need this? Do I really want to go down this path? You know, do I really, you know, is this really what I want to be doing the next 20 years or whatever? Yeah, exactly. You know, I think a lot of people are sitting back and going, what's more important in their lives? This is the time now. It's gut check time, Paul. That's yeah, the way I see yeah. it. Yeah. No, yeah I if, you're, if you're not happy with your life or with the job that you have, I, I mean, it, now is the time to take action. Right. I, I don't, this is a perfect time to reinvent yourself. Just do everything you can to get another gig. That's for sure. If you hate everything right now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you got to pick up a, a trade or something. Right. And now it's time. also a realization that people are, you know, because of modern convenience, we've lost the skills to go camping or hiking or kayaking or boating or fishing or hunting or whatever. We've lost some of those like natural skills we have yeah. our grandfathers had you know and you know and their fathers had you know we the modern society of you know go to the grocery store and get your you know wrapped up chicken you know, you know that's funny you know it's just you know it's just that people people can start learning and getting more connected to nature now they and when they do that when they do that this is why since you you know you used to be in a band you know some of the some of the, the great wisdoms of of um of Ted Nugent. You know, he's a Michigan guitar player, you know, it's and you know, great guitar player. Some good mind. riffs there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You I know, agree. and I'll tell you, you know, he talks about hunting and how important it was and how it allowed him to stay grounded, you know, being a rock star and being around people that were, you know, doing drugs and, and you know and and, and doing destructive behavior. And he didn't go down that path. Yeah, he wasn't a drug user. That's for no, sure. No, 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 no. Right. And, you know, but yeah. he attributes it to hunting. He said, you know, being connected with nature and going bow hunting and, you know, gave him a sense of wanting to live because he was connected to the cycle of life. Yeah, that makes when sense. You're not too. connected to the cycle of life. You, you're disconnected. You don't know. And then, and then people reach out to try to be connected, but it's all artificial because they're, they're going down the wrong path. But he was, you know, he was right. I mean, it's like, if you're connected with nature, go fishing and hunting and camping or whatever, but just don't be, don't, don't be just locked up at home. I mean, light, I mean, there is a huge, there is so much nature out there to enjoy I mean, and you'll you'll find that you'll become more human instead of this technocracy that we've built around us. Right. And of course, now that brings us back to the needy greedy here and back to the Wuhan lab. And of course, again, just to backtrack here for those that are just joining us live, me and Dr. Paul have been talking about COVID-19 for the last six months now, it seems. I believe that was the first time you were here. And since the last time you were here, you were here, uh, Paul, in terms of COVID-19, your position obviously has not changed at all since we first talked. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it hasn't changed. We both are in agreement that this did come from a lab in Wuhan, but perhaps it was maybe even uh, started here at Fort mm-hmm. Detrick. But right. America has a long history of using biological warfare even well i mean you can even go back to the pre-christian era around like 300 bc the greeks they used uh, animal cadavers i remember to contaminate uh, water wells of the enemies 
Mm-hmm. So maybe mm-hmm. China did yeah. this uh, for uh, the same purpose, my friend. That's right. You never That's know. Right. Unless, but what you were saying recently, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier when we first talked about uh, your channel and you were talking about Dr. Li Mingyan, um, she made the claims that she has evidence proving that COVID-19 was made in a lab in Wuhan and the Chinese government purposely released the virus. You have a very different opinion on the matter. You say that she's like a uh, op, the opposition. She's a plant. In other words, mm-hmm. being paid off by our government. Uh, mm-hmm. Pick it up right there, uh, Paul. Yeah, yeah. This is the, this is, uh, she, she is only saying one side of a very sugar coated story. All right. Because the U.S. is trying to position, because you got to remember what's her, where, what's her demographic. She's from Hong Kong. Her husband is Indian. Exactly. There is, there is a conflict if people are paying attention. That's why I, I keep on saying it's a geopolitical play too. It's not just a biological one. And there is a conflict between the border of India and China. They, they're, they are killing soldiers. All right. So, so, you know, so we have this situation. They want to control Hong Kong and they want to control Taiwan and they want to move and control the first island chains before 2025. This came, this comes right out of the PLA in President Xi's mouth. All right. So this is well known by the, the, the Naval Academy and, you know, the military planners of the Pentagon. With that said, the United States wants is, is looking for someone that is, that has that, 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 uh, that, that correct demographic. Scientist, she's an MD, PhD. She worked at WHO in the lab. She had, she had access to specimens, COVID-19, you know, uh, SARS-CoV-2 specimens. Um, she's Hong Kong. She's Hong Kongese. And, you know, she has some connection to individuals that are tied to India. Her husband's tied to India. Okay. So she is propped up by the State Department to spin a story that's a CCP virus. Now you, we have to go back to when Epoch News did the, the documentary about, and they, 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 they called it the CCP virus. And, you know, they spun it that it was released from the Wuhan facility, true statement, that was developed by China. Yes, that's a true statement, but it was further developed in China. But the, the genesis of the program was at Fort Detrick. And, but the, you know, the, the Epoch Times mentions about the early genesis, but downplays it. Okay. Because they wanted to spin it that it was a CCP virus. Okay. So she comes out on Bannon's show about a month ago, Dr. Um, Li Ying Yan, and she, and, you know, she's kind of practicing her lines. You can ah, kind of see it with, okay. with Steve Bannon's show. So she's doing this, and you got to remember, Steve Bannon is funded by Guo, and Guo is, is very anti CCP. Right. I'm anti CCP. I want the CCP to fall. We all I want are. real democracy to happen in China. I'm not against the Chinese people, but I am against the CCP taking over Hong Kong and taking over Taiwan and the rest of the island chains and creating, you know, World War Three and trying to, you know, check our hegemonic power in the Pacific that my grandfather fought for, you know, during World War Two. You know, so, you know, I, you know, I want the CCP to fall. Sure. So, so it's, so she is kind of like the State Department's sound piece to try to inform the public in the mass media, in the mainstream media, that 
this came from China. It was a weapons program from China. The yes. real story is this. Dr. Xi, in 2005, she's Batwoman, Dr. Xi investigated bats out of a cave to understand with other scientists, especially um, um, Peng Zhao, and to understand why it was hiding under the immune system, how it could live with that host, how SARS could live with that host. Then they did the experiments, the, the Chimera experiments in 2007. That happened to show, they, this, is, this point is very important for your listeners now to pay attention to. That experiment showed to get gain of function to human ACE2 receptors, you needed HIV homology. How much of it depended on how much of the affinity. All right. That got the ears of the State Department and Fauci comes in. Now, you got to remember, Fauci was a leading researcher in HIV. Burks and Redfield were leading researchers for an HIV vaccine in 1990. I want to ask you about he, AIDS in a moment here, but go ahead. Okay. All right. So, yes. so the experiment in 2007 that was published in 2008, that's the Genesis paper, showed that you needed HIV homology. So there's further development from 2008 to 20, uh, uh, 2014, all right, between, you know, with Dr. Xi and others like Dr. Uh, Barak or uh, Barak, Dr. Barak and others that, um, that did further development. And they released some papers that were talking about gain of function and how it could jump species, especially with MERS. There was a MERS paper, mm. which is the Middle Eastern version of SARS. Right. All right. Back in 2015. But 2008 and 2015, Dr. Xi and U.S. researchers were doing a DART program. That was where they were doing gain of function and doing the backwardation and allowing for further development and gain of function with the ACE2 receptor and I believe other receptors because this virus infects four or five other receptors like the CD147 not just the ACE2. So there's other receptor gain of function, but the main one is ACE2. And that was developed in the United States. They shut down the program during Obama's administration. All right. And the funding from 2014 to 2019 came right out of Fauci's department to Wuhan for seven point, I believe $7.4 million. Yeah. So, so, and that was a, that was a five year grant to Wuhan. All right. The CCP was controlling the virology lab in Wuhan for further gain of function for their weapons program. So when someone says this is a CCP virus, that's true. They continued on the development that they piggybacked from the U.S. and used U.S. US money. So this is why I keep on saying that Dr. Yang is sugarcoating the real story. It is a CCP virus that was leaked out. I believe on purpose to start a geopolitical play to be able to accelerate the control of the first island chains. I don't, I do not, I no longer believe that it was accidentally leaked out of P4. I believe it was forcefully leaked. I believe it was on purpose. Yeah. Because no, I, how I else, yeah, how, and, how are you, how is this an accident? You know what I mean? It's like, come right. on, everything is so secure, but oh, it just right. happened to leak. Just like anthrax just happened to leak too. There's too many, there's too many individual, after I was talking to George Webb and his, you know, his understanding of the situation with the, um, with, uh, the, um, you know, the, the Olympic games and, um, yeah. you know, event 201 yes. and all this stuff that, that there, there's too many coincidences where too many, it, it points, it points to, it points 
strongly to a leak. All right. Now, now, um, the State Department doesn't want to go to the American public because the American public is always black and white. You know, who's the bad guy? Well, the reality of the situation is, is that we were doing a development program that we shouldn't have been doing. And then we outsourced it and China continued on the development program and leaked it out. So yes, it is a CCP virus, but, it, but it's the substrate was from the U.S. because the 2008 paper that showed the chimera with the, 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 the early HIV homology for the jump to the human ACE2 receptor wasn't a fully functioning virus. The fully functioning virus payload had to be developed between 2008 to 2014 and have all these other lines developed. And that exactly and all that came from the U.S. And that's exactly why I think this thing traveled around mm-hmm. has been worked mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Probability mm-hmm. says what's so. Interesting, and, and, and what's interesting, and, and this is what George Webb brings up, certain pieces of the development between 2008 to 2014, certain pieces of it was patented, you know, and then and, and startup companies spun off out of the labs for, quote, you know, pharmaceutical or, or, um, or vaccine development. Well, wait a minute. Why are you developing a vaccine where it was a virus that hasn't been zoonotically created in a, in a cave yet? That's right. You know, so, so, so this Dr. Lee Myung, uh, 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 Yang, Yan, um, you know, is sugarcoating the real story. And this is why it's so important to get the American public to realize that no, it's a CCP virus that was built upon a U.S. bioweapons program that they shut down and outsourced. It, they didn't just shut it down. They outsourced it. And the, there, there, there is a money trail that goes right to Fauci. And this is why I keep on saying that it's so important to start investigating and prosecuting. And if found guilty, Fauci, Burks, and Redfield need to be hung from a tree for tr- being a traitor and going against the Nuremberg um, Code. Amazing. I agree, though. I, I think they should be charged for something if, in fact, that is the case, if it's true. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, they should go show. to a trial, and, and if found guilty, they should hang from a tree. I agree with you on that one. I can't argue about that. And also another but another thing, What's too, amazing is, is that these three people, Burks, Redfield, and, and Fauci, are all telling us, wear the mask, don't take your vitamin C, and oh, by the way, you know, sit at home and, you know, get COVID-19 fat. And, and uh, <laughs> yes. take your vaccine when it's ready. Yes, and that brings me to another point. I'm glad you mentioned that. The CDC has been talking about a vaccine. What exactly is your opinion on that? Uh, Donald Trump was just talking about it recently, saying by, I think, April, if I recall correctly. Yeah, well, you know, here's, here's my take on the vaccines. Um, you got to look at it from the biological perspective, and you got to look at it from the geopolitical perspective. And it's not so easy to articulate the, the, the geopolitical play. There are about four different major companies that are developing a vaccine. There are like really 20, but there's four major contenders. Okay. You got Moderna, which is the, which is the messenger RNA vaccine that's highly connected to Fauci and his patents. All right. And that's, this is the early stuff that was leaking out out of Fort Detrick for the startups. Then you have, and, and, and that vaccine has never been proven. That's a new platform that's never long-term proven to be, to have uh, high efficacy. 
and 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 not have long term you know negative externalities in the body like turn on you know tumors turn off tumor suppressors or something it's never been used so i don't want a new platform then you have the astrazeneca slash oxford vaccine that's the dna vaccine dna vaccines have been proven out for different other you know vaccines so that kind of technology there's much more data to show the efficacy. Um, that recently went back to clinical trials, but about a week ago or two weeks ago, they had to shut down the clinical trials because they had one patient within the clinical trials that ended up getting uh, neurological dysfunction. Mm. Um, but then they restarted, restarted it up. So that's back on track. Then you have, and I forgot the, I forgot the company's name, but it's in Russia. Um, oh, yeah, that they have a is vaccine. also using, using the DNA kind of like their DNA version. They're going to call it Sputnik, it, by the way. Right, right, right. Yeah, love that. I, I, but I, I think the name of the company starts with an M. I can't, I can't remember. Ah. It's in one of my notes. I don't remember. But there, there is a, a Russian version. All right. Now, then there's CanSino. That's the Chinese one. All right. Now, this is where – now, all of them, all of them have stated in the literature that there, there are side effects. All right. That – that you do get antibody presentation or an immune response when you're getting getting the vaccine, but for some of the patients in the clinical trial, they're getting adverse side effects that have similarities to some of that early cytokine storm problem, but not as bad um, as the animal testing that was taking place early on. So early on, there was some animal testing um, for for um, these vaccines where you gave them the vaccine, you waited a little bit, and then you gave them the virus, the animals ended up being worse off than the ones that didn't have the vaccine because of the, the there, there was a cytokine storm when presented with the, the virus that the antibodies produced too much of an, of an immune response and it, it hurt the animal. So, so, but they think they worked out that, that problem, but some Let's of these so. patients, some yeah, some of these patients are showing some some signs of this. But as the development for these these vaccines progress, the efficacy is seems to be showing some positive signs. So that's the biological side of it. Again, I'm against the Moderna vaccine because it's a messenger RNA platform that's not been proven out long term. Um, if I had to take a vaccine, I'd prefer a DNA vaccine versus a messenger RNA vaccine because of that. So issue. you're not going to take this vaccine when it first gets rolled out, in other words, right? Hell no. Good there's job. No yeah, there's I wouldn't no either. Way. There's no way. If I, I, <laughs> I don't want the vaccine, period. And this goes to to another topic, all right? But I want to talk about the geopolitical sure. um, first because okay. it's important to understand herd immunity. Because with herd immunity, you don't need to take the vaccine. And it's an important point that I've been making on my channel that Fauci doesn't want to mention, but it's very important based on my observations of what's going on in New York. But um, the geopolitical play is this, whoever gets the vaccine to market first, and this is why it's warp speed with Trump, it's really not so much for our economy or to help our citizens, it's to be able to wave a vaccine to the satellite countries in Asia that are in the orbit of China. Because if China gets it to market first, then the Philippines are going to want the vaccine from China and China will have the strings attached. 
Well, if we get it first, then we can give it to the Philippines, and China doesn't have that hegemonic power or those strings attached to the satellite countries. Ah, I see. So it's a geopolitical play. That's that 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 is far more important in the eyes of the Pentagon than if Susie and Johnny in America are vaccinated. The vaccine race of our century. Right. We are, there's an arms race. This is wild. To control to control the to control the satellite countries in in Asia. This is the new Cold War. Yeah, and that's why it, that's why China keeps on saying their vaccine is far more developed than mm. everybody else. By the way, did you see those photos of them out there in China having that uh, pool party? No, I didn't see that. A big ass celebration out there, <laughs> saying they defeated the uh, COVID nineteen virus. They were well, a giant pool know, party. I, <laughs> so so there's chatter in Asia that those record. Uh, build, you know, building the, the hospitals in record time. Yeah. I recall. So, so the, so a lot of people were thinking, well, that was just to treat the patients. Well, the chatter is this. Can Sino, because if you look at the, some of the pictures from inside, it looked like a prison. Mm -hmm. Can Sino, the chatter is that Can Sino was actually vaccinating patients back then. Oh, they did wow. the right, they, they rec, they did the, they, they, because they didn't know what was going to happen. So they had to quarantine the patients. Is that why they were destroying the buildings after? Maybe. Apparently. That, that I don't know. Allegedly that they don't know. were, these buildings were coming down. That I don't know. That I don't know. Early that on I had could, read that, but you know, no, you never I know. I don't know. But they, they, you know, they build these, 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 these hospitals in record time. It was like 12 days or whatever. Yeah, I recall. And everyone was watching it on the, on the internet. And then, so the chatter is, is that a big part of the facility was, testing um, political dissidents or individuals that uh, were somewhat compromised um, and, you know, to, to save face or whatever, were forced vaccinated. And um, it in the chatter that there was a good percentage of these individuals that were showing the negative effects that some of the data that's coming from Oxford and the Moderna uh, testing. But you got to remember, China was doing it at, at a, lar a larger scale, and they were forcing it on individuals. You know, it was under it was under duress. You know, again against the Nuremberg Code trial and where codes and you know where's the WHO on this to investigate? Nowhere. You know, I mean, you, uh, the official number from China is there are only ninety thousand individuals that had COVID nineteen. You know, out of out of you know one point four billion people, which is impossible. So it makes um, no sense. Yeah, you know, and they only have what four thousand people that died. You know, no, there's they probably had four thousand people died from just the forced vaccine program from CanSino. <laughs> right. But but you know, and they had you know those those uh, incinerators that were built. I recall forty incinerators that were running twenty four seven for a while. Are we going to see something like that again in in the coming uh, future, the coming winter? I know we've been talking about another wave coming. Well. um this is where it goes. This goes to the herd immunity concept that I wanted to mention. So in New York, because of the MTA, um, which is the mass transit system for the for the train and the the buses, yeah, you have millions of people going daily on these systems. Okay, even with a mask, you know that people rub their eye, pick their nose, whatever, you know, and they're touching stuff on the train and on the bus. All right. Out of millions of people, even a small percentage of them were sick, even asymptomatically, they could spread the virus on the mass transit, okay, theoretically. So even if it was just 1%, it's a substantial amount, even with an R-naught value of 1.3 to, to you know, spread. 
to, to see some sort of contagion in New York City as we were getting out of shelter in place. The reality of the situation is COVID-19, even with continued testing, COVID-19 positive cases are down. Hospitalizations are down. ICUs are down. We do not have reinfection. Yeah, cases are going down. You're right. Right, right. So that means in New York, if you get to that magic number of 19 to 23% of the population that was exposed to COVID-19 and has an antibody, you have herd immunity because herd immunity is calculated at R0 minus 1 divided by R0. And if R0 is 1.3, it ends up being 23% of the population that needs to be infected to get herd immunity. If you have herd immunity, you don't need a vaccine. The va- the, the, my point here is, is that the we have in high-density areas that had the early infection in the United States, we don't have any new cases, even when we get out of shelter in place, okay? So if we keep on watching the hospitalization numbers, as we reboot our economy and move to normalcy, if the hospitalization numbers are not moving up at all, then there is no reason whatsoever for a vaccine because the population has herd immunity. But that doesn't mean that they don't release another virus that the that that the herd immunity um, has antibodies for. You know, they could release a, a, a new vaccine where we would have to develop a new antibody. You know, because remember, they have hundreds of these things on the shelf of di- with different virulence and different affinity to different receptors. So, you know, that's one issue. But but if it if we just say just the SARS-CoV-2 virus and the and the and the one that was leaked out that people are starting to build, get immunity for, even as it's mutating slightly in the population, the states. That are, that do have elevated numbers. The last time we talked, there were certain states that were elevated like Florida, Texas, Arizona, California. Those states now are starting to decline in numbers since the last we talked. Right. So, so we are now starting to see those states approach herd immunity. Now, the last numbers that I saw, um, Florida was at around 13 or 15% in terms of infection. So they're still below that 19 to 23% magic Goldilocks zone for herd immunity, depending on what the R0 value is for that state. Um, so you still kind of need it to move through the population a little bit more. Um, but the country is approaching herd immunity, assuming that there isn't some major mutation of the virus that's in the population right now or a new release of a virus. So I am, I, I think this, what I'm explaining to the public here and what I saw in New York and the dynamics of as we we're getting out of shelter in place and there's not any reinfection in the tri-state, it's not just New York City, it's also in Connecticut and it's also in New Jersey. So you got this whole tri-state area where there's a lot of flowing of people going back and forth. So it's not just city dwellers, but also people that are moving that are that are um, traversing between city and and suburban life and you're not seeing new hospitalizations so because you were not seeing that it, we're approaching herd immunity so as we're going into the fall now to answer your question about the fall the influenza because everyone has been sheltered in place and wearing masks influenza and even fauci stated this recently on CNN the influenza, season probably will not be that bad because more people 
are washing their hands and covering their mouth and that sort of thing. Yeah. So you think they're I'm, more conscious now? I, I think the flu, I think the flu season will be not as bad as normal. Interesting. Well, we'll find out soon enough. We are almost there. Mm-hmm. October is just around the corner. Mm-hmm. So that's but, when it you know, really thing, begins. But the thing is, is don't let the don't let the mainstream media scare you into that this vaccine program. Because I'll tell you, you pay attention to the hospitalization numbers. Because you can play with numbers when it comes to testing positive for COVID nineteen. So a lot of them are asymptomatic. All right. So uh, you know you have a relatively fixed population in your state. Well, if you increase the number of tests being done and you start to see more people testing positive, that doesn't mean you have an outbreak. It just means that your your testing is is sh- shining a light on on people that are exposed. What's the real number to t- pay attention to is the hospitalizations because those are the more serious cases. And if that those are going up, then you got a problem. Then that's serious. And then it's a whole different dynamic. The R0 value has now gone up. And now we need to talk about the the epidemiological dynamics have changed. But we're not seeing that. And therefore, we don't need a vaccine because we're approaching herd immunity. But the mainstream media is going to spin it. Oh, it's going to be flu season. Make sure you take that flu vaccine. And, you know, and and if, you know, once that Moderna comes out or, or, you know, that you make sure you get that SARS-CoV-2 vaccine, too, they're going to scare you into something because the, the public isn't paying attention. And Paul, let me ask you, what do you make of those individuals out there who are saying this is all hoax, that this is just some uh, psyop of sorts? When you say hoax, like like uh, like the virus doesn't exist. Or? Yes, there's some people out there who still say that. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, the virus does exist. I mean, I've been privied to information um, from individuals that do CT scans, and I've seen the glass opacity of SARS-CoV-2 patients. Um, you know, and have had I I had a friend in automotive. His his um his cousin died from COVID nineteen. Um, one of my, uh, one of the, one of the medical students, uh, that was doing, um, you know, clinical rotation ended up contracting COVID-19 and dying. So, you know, this is real. People are dying from COVID-19. And then, you know, I'm not saying that this is a very, this is a benign thing. It's, you know, it it can be deadly for many people, but the far majority, it's not going to be deadly, right? We don't know if it's, with the long-term ramifications, there's probably a dormancy because of the HIV and all this stuff. They don't look good to me, the longevity yeah, yeah, of this. Yeah, you know, you know. yeah. I mean, you know, it, the long-term The scar tissue on the lungs? Yeah, right. Screw right, that, exactly. my friend. The I, don't, fi- I don't want the, that. You know, the, right. The, fi- the, the fibrotic, you know, scarring in the lungs that, you know. Yeah, even if you do recover, I mean, who gives a shit? It's the long-term effects this thing has on you that I, I just, I can't believe well, no different. one is really pressing that on anyone really. Right. So it definitely, to answer the question shortly, yeah. you know, that we, that it definitely, it definitely exists because people have died from it. Right. Okay? They have died from COVID-19. And then people that will say, well, they died from other comorbidities too. Well, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, you could die, you know, you, you die from cancer, but usually it's not really the cancer that has killed you. It's probably some, you probably had cardiac arrest, you know, you know, that actually literally killed you. But, you know, that, but, you know, but it was the, the complications of cancer that, that you succumb to the disease. But, but the, you know, so it definitely exists and people have died from it. Um, but what's important is, is that there's different cohorts of patients 
And the ones that are that had the severe case, especially early on, they have a lot of fibrotic scarring and they most likely will need a lung transplant or will have COPD or emphysema or some, you know, something like it. You know, they'll pulmonary be like a disease. SARS-CoV-2 yeah. syndrome, you know, in the next five to 10 years and they'll have pulmonary problems for exactly. the rest of their life. It reminds me of the first responders of 9-11. Again, yep. I, I mentioned that yep. to you and it's just... If, if exactly. I see it this way, why why don't other people? I'm just, I mean, I'm not a smart guy, but holy shit. Well, you have a PhD in common sense. That, exactly. Good good job. You know, I like that's that. All you, that's all you got to need is just be, <laughs> you know, doctor common sense, you know. But, yeah. but you know, I, you know they, so you have you have this one core patients that have this, you know, this, this severe case of, you know, fibrotic scarring or even kidney damage or, or heart damage or whatever. So you have those cases. Then you have the cases where, um, because it is a blood disease, these red blood cells were blowing up. Yeah. Well, that so it was it was clotting. Well, you had a lot of infarcts and you had a lot of strokes. So you could you know you could have a stroke, have brain damage from SARS CoV two because you stroked out. You know, so so you have those those individuals that will need long term. You know, treatment. Then you have this this section that's the unknown section where well, this is a virus that downregulates. This is important. The research that came out that 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 downregulates cytokines, certain certain cytokines, um, and kind of like lays dormant. It 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 suppresses some of the T cells. So when you're doing that, it's very reminiscent of what HIV does. It downregulates the immune system. There is an acute phase of the infection, and then there's this long-term latency, and then all of a sudden the cancers start popping up from HIV, which is what they call AIDS. You know, that's the syndrome. So, so you know, we don't know the latency of this. There, this virus most likely stays inside the body; that it doesn't fully clear out. Now, what happens when it's reactivated? When there's enough stressors in the body that reactivates the virus. Right. So like similar to, let's say, herpes. Right. You know, you can't get rid of herpes. You can somewhat control it. Suppress but you it. get these flare-ups. Yeah. You can suppress it, but there's, there's these flare-ups because of different stressors. Mm-hmm. So I suspect that there, there is stressors in the future that will reactivate this virus that has been laying dormant. That's what I believe. You know, yeah. and we don't know what that is. So, like right now, we're seeing the acute phase. We don't know the latency and the reemergent phase. Yeah, this is all new, right? People right, forget right, that. Right. People forget that. Right. But but the thing is, we're talking about five or ten years. Yeah. Like, like AIDS. You know, like AIDS. When you're infected with HIV virus, you have a chronic phase for about six to nine months, and then it lays dormant, and then. Then the cancers pop up nine, ten years later. Yeah, let's talk about AIDS for a moment because I did want to mention that to you and ask you some questions about AIDS. Of course, mm-hmm. we first officially heard of AIDS, well, most of America back in 1981. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that got me thinking about lots of things. And it made me wonder what exactly are the origins of, of HIV exactly? Well, I'll tell you what they tell us in medical school. And then you can enter, and then you can, you know, extrapolate on that. Yeah. What they teach in school is that it, it that it was zoonotic, zoonotic. and it came from monkeys. Yeah. 
all right, and that it it was a virus that that seemed to emerge in the early 70s, and that it was in conjunction with drug use in the 70s, and then the so people in the United States through drug use um, um, w uh, kind of created an environment to let the virus take hold in the population. So there was an acute phase. Then 10 years later or nine years later, it starts popping up with what we would call AIDS. So the early 80s, so around 74, 73, then all of a sudden 81, you start seeing the, 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 the cancers and then, you know, and the lesions and all this and skin lesions. Um, so, that had that acute phase and that chronic phase and that, that big latency. So that's what they're, you know, they, they, they tell us in, in school. Um, now you got to go back and start thinking about, okay, what were some of the operations that were going on during that time period, especially in the sixties? Well, there was MH uh, chaos, operation MH chaos from the CIA. Or, or if you Google it, it's maybe may called um, Operation Chaos. Yeah, some say this was but, actually created in a secret CIA laboratory. Well, well, <laughs> this is the point that I'm making is yes. that they were trying to they were trying to suppress the society in the 60s. Um, well, that was the sexual revolution back in the 60s, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh exactly. shit! Here and we go. There was, you know, and there was the, you had the, the, the you know the sexual revolution, and you also had the the over reliance on on um, on drug abuse. The heroin uh, trade was starting to pop up right. because of the, you know, because of um, of um, of uh, Vietnam. Mm -hmm. So heroin was starting to, you know, f flow in, and then all of a sudden, early seventies, AIDS pops up. So you know, it wouldn't surprise me because you know what you know what seems to be a common theme with SARS-CoV-2, HIV homology. And all the people that were tied to the program for research for HIV happen to be up on stage informing the public and telling the president from their scientific point of view what we should do as a nation. I find that very odd. In 1969, a high-level biological researcher administrator for the U.S. Defense Department, Dr. Donald MacArthur, he was talking about uh, seeking funds, if mm -hmm. I recall correctly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So shit, so we have think, a long history in all this. Mm -hmm. Oh mm -hmm. my! I think that there's, you know, I, I, the schools basically say this: SARS-CoV-2 came out of a cave, you know, with a bat. Right, 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 right. <laughs> AIDS came out of, you know, came out of the jungle from you know, from, from from a monkey. Or if you, you talk know, to a religious AIDS, person, yeah. yeah, they they say this was from God to punish homosexuals. Right, right. right. You know. You know, but, but the reality of the situation is, is it probably was some sort of man-made you know, develop, you know, development yeah. program, right? Holy you know, shit! The thing is, you know, and it wouldn't surprise me that that uh, Ebola was falls in line with this. I think Ebola and AIDS was too deadly that it wasn't it wasn't a good like weapon vector, you know. But like coronavirus, that's the common cold. Yeah. You know, what a so perfect cover that, you know, yeah, exactly. There's, there's enough, there's enough smoke screen there. Mm -hmm. They can just say, well, yeah, well, yeah, obviously it came from a bat and, you know, from a cave. Dude, we were served yeah. the Trojan horse. Uh -huh. That's what uh -huh. this was. Uh -huh. oh my I think God. that the more, you know, the more people dive into this and follow the trail between Batwoman to Fauci 
to the early investigators of HIV, going all the way to the operations of the CIA, um, you know, you're going to start, you're going to start seeing that there, there's a pattern. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, I, I personally have not, I have not, you know, done that investigation on the ties between HIV, the genesis of HIV and how that matches SARS-CoV-2. But I do know this, SARS-CoV-2 has huge amounts of homology of HIV virus. No doubt. You know, so that's, you know, that's, you know, my, my perspective. I just, you know, I'm, I'm just one person. There's no way I can, you know, dive in that deep for that long to find out, you know, what the, the genesis of HIV, probably researchers have, you know, out there and they have published stuff similar to what I've, you know, done for SARS-CoV-2. Maybe there are people that I could talk to that could say, oh, Paul, you know, if you look at this paper and this paper, here's the, the trail. Oh, I'm sure there's people what out I there. did with, you know, Dr. Shi. Yeah. But, you know, but I just, I just don't know the, the full genesis of HIV, just what I've been told in school. But um, there's a lot of similarity. It's pretty shady when you look at it. It's pretty wild. And that reminds me, you know, New York... Speaking of AIDS, New York was like the capital for a long time back mm -hmm. in like 78, 79, I believe. Well, it was, it was, it was, um, San Francisco and, and, um, and New York. Those were the two, that, that, you know, that, that was the, those were the two AIDS hubs. New York gays, it says here in 79 by 1985, 64% were When infected. was the first cases in San Francisco? I thought it was um, roughly about the same time as New York. Let me see. Well, I can't really find that just yet, but I'm just getting New York here, 79. But most likely it, it was probably even earlier in for San Francisco, maybe. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it just, it, it's, you got people, you, you have a, a cabal out there that's trying to take down society so they can control it. And, you know, they, there's, you know, it's amazing how they they spin it. Oh, we're encroaching on nature because of deforestation, and therefore all these viruses are starting to pop pop up in in the world. You know that are you know strange that we've never been exposed to and all that. You know, I I don't I don't believe that line of thought because what they're trying to really promote is this one health you know uh, agenda. Where they want people to, you know, to, to control expansion of society. They want to, you know, for people to live in in um, metropolises. They don't want people to be living on farms. They don't want people to be self sufficient. You know, they they it's it's we're we're growing a technocracy. By the way, I, I didn't get an official answer here, but it just goes back to 1981. AIDS is detected in California and New York. The first cases are among mm -hmm. gay men and then mm -hmm. injection drug users. So, yeah, this goes back to 1981 when right. New York and California were the first uh, to right. be hit with it. And, it, but and that's, the but eight, that's, that's detecting the eight. Yes, AIDS, but, but, correct. You know, there's that latency. So it's the infection takes it usually takes about nine years before. And some claim that the first case unrecognized at the time may have surfaced as early as 1969, though. Yeah. So well, um, then, yeah. the, when they say, when they state this 1969, are they talking about infection or actually the the symptoms of the of the the chronic phase of AIDS? That's a good question. So if it's 1969, then that means that goes all the way back to 
then you're talking about early 60s early 60s then, and then yeah. and that falls right back into what i was saying about that there was a there was this move with the cia and mh mh uh, chaos trying to control the public absolutely agenda 21 you know so you know it, it's been something and you really think about um ebola and ebola you know ebola zaire you know the, the you got you you this was in the 60s when it was starting to pop up in Africa. This is wild. And, and late, yeah. In the late 50s. I think it was late 50s and mid-60s when, when the outbreak started. And uh, doctor, I have to ask you this. The president recently has come under fire after audio recordings were published by Bob Woodward. And I believe I brought that up to you. I brought that to your attention uh, just recently. I do have a clip of that if you do want to hear it for those who haven't. Yeah. yeah let's hear that clip. Very tricky situation. It's uh, it goes it goes through air, Bob. That's always tougher than the touch. You know, the touch you don't have to touch things, right? But the air, you just breathe the air, and that's how it's uh, passed. And so that's a very tricky one. That's a very delicate one. Uh, it's also more deadly than your, you know, your even your strenuous flus. You know, people don't realize we lose 25,000, 30,000 people a year here. Who, who would ever think that, right? I know. It's I mean, it's pretty forgotten. amazing. And uh, then I say, well, is that the same thing? For, this is uh, more for deadly. This is five per, you know, this is 5% versus 1% and less than 1%. You know, so this is deadly stuff. Yeah, so now you just heard the president talking about the virus. Well, I want to I want to dive in to that conversation a bit, and you know, and maybe you have the answers, maybe you don't. I don't know. When was that recorded? Because it sounds like it was recorded. It was early. early. Infection. It was very yeah. early on in the game. Right. That's right. So it's important that when people hear these 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 recordings, it's about time dependency. What was the thought process, and what were the facts on the ground at that time? That's that's the lens you have to look at it. Apparently, because, he said he was downplaying it. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. but, but it's important to put it in the perspective of the time of the recording. So back then when he was saying 5%, this is when we thought the R0 value was anywhere from 4 to 5 or even 6. So this was when it was it, it was really scary. This was like probably April. That was very early in the game, yeah. Right? It right. was yeah, scary. Was really early in the game and right. we had no idea. We were just starting to get word that prophylactically hydroxychloroquine were was was, you know, a a good uh, therapeutic, and we didn't fully understand the RA, R, um, the um, the pulmonary um, aspects versus, let's say, the the blood the blood aspects of this is, of this virus. So the non ARDS versus the ARDS treatment, because a lot of a lot of the clinical presentation at that time was severe pulmonary, and they were not treating with corticosteroids. They weren't treating with protease inhibitors. They weren't treating it with hydroxychloroquine. And once it reached to a certain phase, they intubated, and a lot of the individuals that were intubated died. So the way they were treating it at that time was wrong. It was very and wrong. And then we start. Then we started understanding that it was a non-ARDS component to this because it it was really a blood disease. And that's when Dr. Kyle um, from New York. Um, uh, an ICU doctor, you know, was saying he's thinking that this is non-ARDS. Stop the innovations, and you know, and then people start realizing, you know, what? Let's change the protocol and try to wait it out with the the, the ventilators 
and start, you know, viewing this as a non-ARDS syndrome um, as best as we can. But if if you know your 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 blood oxygen levels go way too low, you still have to intubate. You know, so there's this fine line of you know, even if it's not an ARDS, you still have to intubate if the oxygen levels aren't you know aren't improving. But um, at that time, the way we were treating it wasn't as good as we are treating it now. Um, so you didn't know what we were dealing with back yeah, then. Absolutely. Plus, you had the big surge that was going on in New York, and anything in New York is accentuated in the media. You know, if someone gets a toenail infection, you know, it's the end of the world. That's right. But, you know, you know, so everything's accentuated. That's another key sociological component to this. But um, and at that time, and we mentioned on your show that the data was suggesting from what was going on in Asia that there was strong suspicion that this was airborne, not just droplet. So there's like, you know, when you sneeze, you know, the virus can be in the droplets when you're sneezing or coughing. So the mask really stops those droplets from spreading. That's the power of the mask. But if you have something that is truly aerosoled, where it can go through Brownian motion in the air without droplet, then that's a totally different scenario. Right. So there were, there was, there was suspicion, strong suspicion that a six or 10 foot distance was not adequate if it was aerosoled, not, you know, beyond the droplet form. So in that video, in that uh, recording with the president, at that time, the suspicion was that it was aerosoled. But I think there's further evidence that suggests that it's, it, that it's, it's not aerosoled and right. that it is, it's it spread through droplet. So, um, but in New York, we are upgrading HVAC systems in the restaurants because for, you know, you know, being overly cautious, they want to try to prevent the spread of the virus through aerosol, assuming that it's aerosoled by having, you know, better filtration systems. But I don't think that will work that well at all. I just think it's a, you know, it's a boon for the HVAC installation companies. But, um, you know, but it's important to keep it in context. See, the mainstream media, when they hear a, a videotape or hear an audio tape or see a videotape of the president, you got to put it in the context of the recording because the scenario was changing. The facts were changing because our understanding of the dynamic of SARS-CoV-2 was evolving. Yeah. And that's, that's you know, so people like you and I, were, we, we started – we started covering this early on. Early in the game. We know the history. And we, st- we you and I are starting to see that the, the changing history of this. It's like someone said, you know, tell me about the Civil War or tell me about the Revolution or the World War II. Right. Well, you know, there was, <laughs> you know, the, there was Normandy and there was the Battle of the Bulge and there was, you know, the, you know, <laughs> you know, so there was these evolutions within the war. You know, you can't just say just one battle. You wouldn't have the full context of, of World War II, right? So you can't have the full context of SARS, SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19 disease without understanding the full timeline. So this is only a very small, early sliver of the, of, of the COVID-19 timeline. And it's being spun in the media as, as this like, well, Trump is like hiding something. 
Now, there's some things that Trump in the video or the audio, um, you know, stated that I'm kind of like, you know, you know, he did state to the media that he wanted to downplay it. Yes. You know, well, he likes to downplay it. If you're, you know, yeah, you know, here's the problem. You're president of the United States. Okay. And you got all these different balls you're juggling. Sure. Okay. You know, you're, you're, you got to remember Earl, you got to remember in January, he was almost impeached or he was impeached, but almost was removed from office. All right. He came, you know, if it wasn't for the Senate being controlled by the Republican Party, he would have been removed from office. That's, that, that was the, that, that's what we had going on in January. All right. And, February was when you started seeing the cases in the United States, at least published by Johns Hopkins. Cases probably were in the United States in December or November. But that said, you know, so that's where the country was at. So he was he's balancing all this stuff. Okay, he almost was removed from office. Now all of a sudden he's got this situation where he has to shut down the economy, knowing that the greatest economy that the United States has ever seen is now going to tank, and no one knew really fully what that would mean all right does that mean a great depression would there be you know you know severe supply chain disruptions i mean we even talked about well what happens if the medical community is overrun by infection and we you know we had to go to secondary and tertiary containment and then all of a sudden you have fema camps of people sick and who's taking care of the nuclear facilities right you know, we were talking about well, you could have a, you could have a meltdown through an accident because you don't have enough people working at the, these nuclear facilities or whatever. You know, electrical shutdown, of, of, you know, brownouts or, or full blackouts of the electrical grid because just the society was breaking down. We had these conversations on your show early on. Yeah. So no one knew what was you know we we play you know we we kind of role played scenarios simulated through conversation what these possible scenarios were. So you got to remember, you're okay. You're the president of the United States, and you're trying to balance all these these balls in the air. And so, you know, you you got to give them a little bit of credit, like saying, okay, I want to try to downplay it to try to reduce the severity of the psychological impact, because you know some of this can be exacerbated by fear. You know, like pan, you know, panic buying. You know, everyone running to the hills, and you know, and this kind of thing. So you, you know, you're trying as a president, you're trying. To, to steer the country in the right direction, but you also have this, the psychological component. I here. agree with you on that, but you do understand that this is something that will be used against him during the debates. Yeah, but you know who's going to use it against him? Joe Biden, who can't even tell tell the American public what year he was born. Sure, it's not the American you know, public so I mean, that you, you have know, to. So, so, I, mean, yeah, it's like, I, I agree know, with I you, not, but it, Paul. But you have to understand, it's not the American public they have to convince. It's those in the higher upper echelon that control things that you have to convince, and those are the ones who are really running the game. Well, the people that are really running the game want Trump out. That's what I mean. They don't want him no, there. So. I mean, they're they're trying to kill him. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said. Well, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that because just recently a package was intercepted by screeners this week before it reached um, the White House. Apparently, someone mailed mailed in. Uh, I think it was from Canada. They mailed uh, the president Ricin. Right. I'm trying right. to take him out. Right. Right. You're well, not you wrong. know the thing is, is the last month or month and a half. He's either been shot at, you know, on the grounds of the White House. He, a, a, a drone, you know, tries to crash into was it was it Marine One or Air Force One? I wasn't sure. Something like that. Yeah, I heard. Yeah. All right. And then and then you you you, you um then um 
What was the other thing that happened to him? Someone st- someone shot at the White House, I, I believe. Too. Yeah, someone shot at the White House. The, oh, the, and then the, the, the racing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this guy is being hunted down by by the deep state or or even above the deep state, the ones that are controlling the deep state. They don't want him in office. They're trying to they're trying to get rid of him at all costs. I find it really odd, all right? Because you got to remember these powers that are controlling the situation and the deep staters, they're on side of the CCP. And the CCP released the virus, but the virus was released right after they finalized Brexit. Brexit is the crack in globalism. And so this whole the whole this whole um um structure uh, the globalistic structure is starting to crack. The facade is cracking. Trump is, you know, is a very nationalistic. He's, he's, you know, about uh, restructuring all these deals that have been around, you know, for decades. And, you know, these people that were making a lot of money and, and had a lot of power because of these deals are starting to see that that power and those deals erode. They wanted a Chinese century. Okay, this is an important point here. They wanted a Chinese century in the news, and everyone was saying the Chinese century. The 21st century is going to be the Chinese century. But when you start seeing during the Trump administration, one, they had the huge hog um, uh, virus issue that they had to kill all the hogs in China. They had agricultural problems because of flooding, and so crop yields were down. Then they had the trade problems that they were having with the United States, so they had economic problem they had individual they had individual companies pulling out of china and either repatriating back to the united states or going to like vietnam or other asian countries for low cost china is becoming more high cost not low cost and that all are negative for the chinese economy going against the chinese century so they see this deflating economy happening so the united states pre covid-19 was climbing so it's a it's it's all about relativism, right? China was going down, America was going up. So how is China going to be the twenty first? The powers that be that want China being the twenty first century and the totalitarianism all around the all around the world because they want they want the model that China has to to run the world instead of China having to dig you know to to fill the hole the economic hole that we're in. What was easier was to weaken the United States, release the virus, weaken the economy of the United States, so it's now back at par to where China was, where China is at. So they are now in the game for another Chinese 21st century because they've weakened the United States with more debt. Now, you know, the United States have pumped in a lot of debt to, this, to, to pump up the economy, and our 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 economic situation is dire it's a mess you know we don't yeah we don't know how long this is really gonna it, it may take 10 years it to might. fix this problem yeah so 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 now china is in the running for the chinese the 21st century again they were it was it was it is set in stone michael it was set in stone that if it wasn't for the fall of the econ- the the economy in the united states china was never going to have the 21st century economically because of what was happening with this tr- the, the trade agreement and the agricultural problems that they were having and that the, and, the, and the businesses that were moving out of China and moving into other countries or back to the United States. You know what's so wild, China Paul? saw this and they want they wanted to bring bring America down to get it at par. 
You know what's wild, Paul? When we first started talking six months ago, I asked you, do you think China did this on purpose? You didn't want to think about it at the time, but now right. yeah, I yeah. think you yeah. see you the... Gotta, yeah, you, yeah. you got to remember, you know, at that, you know, it was hard enough to just absorb the bioweapon. You know? <laughs> I felt like you know, they did. I know, felt like they did. You know, they did us dirty on this one. I, I yeah, knew yeah, that right I, away. You know, I wanted to be again at the at. You were trying to be optimistic, Paul. Well, There's yeah, wrong I, with I that. lost that optimism a long time ago. <laughs> well, <laughs> shit, it happens, my friend. <laughs> you know, but but yeah, like I was stating on the first on your first show, you know, you guys you got to try to use the scientific method, but you also yes. have to use your gut too. Yeah. You know, because information's imperfect. But at that time, the hypothesis, you know, you, you know, you set up a hypothesis, you, you know, try to collect data and then you, you, um, you, you refine the hypothesis and you work out a theory. So at that time on the first show, I stated it leaked out a P4, but we don't know why. Right. And right. at that time, I said, I don't have any evidence to suggest that it was leaked on purpose. But if it was leaked on purpose, it was either the Chinese leaking it. And I didn't fully understand why, but I said something on the order of maybe it was to try to control Hong Kong and Taiwan, or it was the CIA that infiltrated the P4 lab and they were, they leaked it out to bring down President Xi. Well, there's you all know, sorts so, of but scenarios. I said that, but I said I didn't have any evidence of that, so therefore I had to lean on the side that it was most likely an accident to leak, mm. like a you yeah. know lab accident that happened. And that's what... Epoch Times in their documentary published that there was there was an accident with the primates um, with one of the lab workers and one of the lab workers ended up getting sick and they didn't want to tell the authorities that they had this accident and that's how it spread. But I think there's more evidence that suggests that it was leaked out before December, um, you know, and it, that, you know, we did probably was near the October event 20, you know, event uh, 201 timeframe, which is, you know, mid-October. Right. And of course, you've been mentioning that a lot here, um, event 201. And I just wanted to mention that there's another thing called Crimson Contagion, which is even more ridiculous. Another simulation for those that don't know. That was conducted months prior to the start of the COVID-19 pandemic that involved a scenario in which tourists uh, returning from China spread the respiratory virus in the United States beginning in Chicago. And this was called Crimson Contagion, for those that don't know, mm-hmm. which is pretty mm-hmm. nuts to, to begin with. All these things, mm-hmm. all these, um, it, it reminds me of, of uh, 9-11 yet again. I mean, we had prior knowledge before other governments had intel and they let us know about it, yet we sort of just um let it go by right exactly that's why i'm saying we're that, very passive you know yeah. that the, the deep state is is not for the constitution or the country it's for this this global integration this one world government and there are much more powerful people that are pulling the strings of the ones that are working at the deep state level now, the ones that are working on the deep state level think that they are going to be put into powerful positions or survive the tyranny of this integration. The reality is, is they're, they're expendable. The, the, the powers that be are going to get rid of these individuals once they are no longer needed. Right. 
and they don't realize that. So this is this is this is why that we the people, this is you know on our constitution, we the people, you know, and the, the, the inalienable rights and you know of the constitution, protecting that is so important. And in nationhood and in community and localization, not globalization, this is where we need to go. And the the public at large needs to start you know, becoming uh, more vocal on the streets about this instead of, you know, the BLM movements and, and, and whatnot. You know, like Kingsburg, going back to to, to Kingsburg, you right. know, they did the, the vigil in front of the Supreme Court. You know, all right, this person's dead now. So then, you know, then doing the vigil, it doesn't mean anything. All right. She's dead. You know, no matter how many people light candles, she ain't coming back. All right. That's so right. what they could do, what they could do is, you know, you know, rub their eyes, wake up and see that there's a new world order, you know, running a playbook. And one of the big plays is COVID-19. The new woke order, I like to call it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that, you know, and, and they, you know, we need as a, as, as a country to say, hell no, you know, we're not going to allow this to happen. That's why I keep on talking about the Biopatriot Act and the erosion of our civil liberties and the and the decaching and the forced vaccine program and the over surveillance and the overreach of the government and all these things that are that are eroding our constitutional freedoms. Absolutely. And I want the lawyers to start stepping up to the plate and saying, you know what? They said an oath. These lawyers said an oath to uphold the Constitution. All right. And they're afraid to do it because they might get disbarred. All right. The same thing is happening in medical school. You have to say the Hippocratic Oath. And it's about patient autonomy. It's about the patient uh, physician relationship. And you're not to do harm. Well, when doctors are seeing that people that are in power, like Fauci, are telling physicians not to use hydroxychloroquine, saying that he doesn't think it's good for you, and doctors have evidence to state otherwise, it is the, the physicians out there's responsibility to inform the public to, to, to have a counter argument against Fauci. So the ones that did do that, like Dr. Gold, she lost her job. She was, you know, she was a physician that stood up to try to inform the public that what the, the CDC and the, the HHS was doing was wrong about hydroxychloroquine, especially prophylactically. She loses her job. Other physicians are afraid to stand up to the plate because they'll lose their license. But yet they swore an oath in medical school under no circumstance should they do harm. But the far majority of the physicians out there are not willing to step up to the plate and follow that oath. And the same thing is happening with, with the lawyers. Money sways everyone. Yeah, it's 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 sad. It's it really is. sad. You're right. And in and you know and you know and if you have if you, the medical schools are afraid to say anything. Oh yeah, of course. You know because you know they won't get the funding. Lose funding. You know whatever. Yeah. You know, so a, it's just like they're captured. It's a terrible they, situation, these, Paul. These yeah, these these situ these, these institutions are captured. You know, it's, it's people like yourself and I and others that they, they need to you know need to really raise the alarm and get the the, the public energized to say, no, we're not going to have this happen. If people said, if people stood up, if we, if we were to learn something about Obamacare, when they were rolling out Obamacare, if no one signed up for it, it would have failed because politically people would have said, you know what? You made a law. We don't believe in it. We're not going to follow it. 
If everyone did that, they would they would shit their pants. Yeah. The politicians would shit their pants and then and then and then uh, take it off the books. But people complied. And because they complied because of fear, the government was able to grow stronger. That's control right. Control your life. That's and right. We need we need to we need to start saying no. If everyone learned from that situation and apply it to this situation, and if people say, you know what? I'm going to go back to work. I'm not going to be tested for COVID-19 and I'm not going to wear the goddamn mask anymore. <laughs> then, you know, it's over. The, the, the situation would be over. It would be a different case if we were having this conversation in April where we didn't know much about the virus and we had these, you know, huge infections and we had, you know, uh, a, a large uptick of, of hospitalizations and ICU patients. But we don't have that now. So it's time to start living our lives again instead of being fearful. But we have too many people complying and, and being afraid. And that's why I did the video about COVID-19 laziness. You know, it, you know, people are using the COVID-19 as an excuse to not live their life. I saw that video, by the way. Good video. No, I recommend I that one. It. I appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, so, um, Paul, I, I hate to do this, but we definitely are coming to a close. But I did have one more final question for you, and it's more yeah. philosophical yeah. than anything else. But I did have this for you, and I thought you would probably entertain this one. Are humans better at creation or destruction? A classic question for you, Paul. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> we we have the potential for both, all right? Obviously. But I think, unfortunately, we don't we – don't, make the right choices. And because we don't make the right choices, the negative effects is destruction. See, like the conversation we just had previously was we can make the choice and not comply and create a better society. Instead, we are complying and we are slowly destroying our economy. Right. So unfortunately, we as a, as a, a collective, the, the human race as a, as a collective is very destructive. We are both light and darkness. Mm -hmm. We're, yeah. Well, I'm afraid so. And that's life. Let that yep. uh, soak in for the mind for those out there. And Paul, I do want to thank you again for being a part of the program. Always a tremendous time with you. Always a learning experience with you here, Paul. Well, I, I appreciate, you know, coming on and, uh, you know, and having, you know, these talks and, you know, what's interesting. It's a good talk is, with you here, Paul. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is, is that you've been in the trenches at the at the early beginning of this of this crisis and you sense the history of it it's it wasn't just covering a a, a small of you know a, a small news event you you you've been traveling the whole timeline with me on this that's right you know so you're one of the historians of COVID-19. You're going to, mark my words on this. <laughs> Years later, as we start to learn more and more about this and the long-term effects of this, you're going to have, you, you, you're, you're, you're uh, going to be one of the quote experts of what happened in the United States. You know, because you followed the timeline. Yeah, these are the very beginning times, to, yeah. to, you know, and talking to, you know, the people that were trying to figure it out and trying to save the country and da, 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 da. But I appreciate right. you being in the trenches with me. Yeah, we've been here together and uh, we have not swayed our opinions on the issue. And as time has gone by, we've only been proven to be correct on our stance. It's been quite remarkable. And again, not any brag braggadocious sort of demeanor. It's mm -hmm. just the reality. Mm -hmm. It just happened. But, you know, the thing is, is that the first act 
of this gigantic global play is just COVID, that first act is COVID-19. That's right. This is only the beginning, you know, by the way. Right, 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 right. There's this the, the, there is this geopolitical play that's going on with the CCP in the United States that could lead to to third world war. And um, there, you know, there's this civil liberty erosion in that Biopatriot Act and yep. the, you know, the extension of everything that we saw right after 9-11 happening in this country. And so this is an evolving story. This is not just about a virus and about a vaccine to take or not to take. It's a much, much bigger issue. I'm afraid you're right. So once again, Paul, always a honor and pleasure to have you here on the program. We will do this again in the very near future. Paul, go ahead and plug anything you like. The floor is yours. Go ahead. Okay. Um, well, you know, the listeners, thank you for, you know, listening tonight. I appreciate it. I want you to to take what we were saying and take it to heart and to, and to talk to people and to inform people because by informing people on the things that Michael and I have been saying from day one, one could save a life and two could save the constitution of our country. And that is the most important and most dear thing in my mind that we can do. And so instead of plugging my, you know, my websites or something like that, I'd rather you spend the time and protect our constitution. Very well said. Thank you so much, Paul. See you on the other side, my friend. All right. Mahalo. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was the one and only Dr. Paul Cottrell. And yes, he didn't want to plug himself, but I will for you. If you go to YouTube and just type in his name, you will find all his content out there. And yes, Dr. Paul Cottrell, you can trust the man. He's not selling you any uh, bullshit, that's for sure. And of course, as we take it home here tonight, and I pull this Larry Silverstein style, I do want to thank all of you out there who have signed up for the Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. And if you go there, you will find a free episode just for you. And if you like it, please sign up. $4, $5, whatever you like, just sign up. It's relatively cheap. If you can afford it, that is. If you don't, or if you can, rather. All good with me. That's patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. A few episodes are free there for you. Please go there whenever you like. Once again, I do want to thank all of you out there for hanging out with us this evening. Those in the chat room, thank you kindly. International listeners out there, love you very much. Thank you for all your support. It's been an interesting night yet again, and I truly hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. The mind continues to race as it always does, and if you're like me, your mind always races. Even when you're trying to sleep and you are staring at that ceiling fan of yours, contemplating the universe, don't worry, you're not alone. We are all with you. Stay safe, everyone, no matter where you are on this island Earth. I'm Michael Deacon, and with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. Bye.